Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 251 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers, here as always with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. So we are talking about family travel both this week and next week. We're going to do a little two-part series. Um, And we have had this planned for a while. It is getting closer to people thinking about spring break and then looking ahead to summer. And we've done lots of family travel episodes in the past, but the angle we're kind of taking this time is thinking about how we plan for quote unquote vacations. And we're going to get into why, why (laughs) travel and vacation are not always the same thing, right? Right? The thing that looks like a vacation may not feel like one. And sometimes you might be able to create a vacation feeling without, you know, getting on an airplane. So we're going to get into all of that today. And, and I'm excited. Me too. Um, I know that this is, we've talked a little bit, Sarah, about how it can feel kind of like I don't know, like everyone's going on these big trips. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of excited about us distilling that. And I also have to say, I just got back from a trip last night um, and there's been so much talk about coronavirus in yeah. the news and on the socials um, that I was kind of curious how my trip was going to play out. Yeah. You know, like whether that was going to be something, whether everyone's going to be freaking out wearing masks. I think that would have really bothered me mm-hmm. <laughs> if I was like in an airport and you know, half the people were wearing masks or in other ways acting unusual. Yeah. I think that really would have bothered me. But the good news is um, it was actually very normal. So let's break this down a little bit because we know some like a a listener, you might be listening to this, you know, a year from now. And and hopefully in that case, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Remember that thing? Remember that (laughs) thing. Um, We are recording this on the 8th of March. Um, so to place this in a little bit of time frame, because it does feel like this is a story that's developing and kind of changing week to week. Yeah, day um, to day in some day to, cases. Day to yeah. day. And people are. So what's funny is we've had family travel and planning family travel on our list of things to talk about uh, well before coronavirus was top of mind. And then this just is kind of perfect because I do think it would be helpful to start with, like, what does that do to your planning mindset? And like, yeah, so maybe talk a little bit about like what you did notice when you were just traveling. And then you have a couple other trips coming up this spring, allegedly. (laughs) Allegedly, right. Well, I will say like going into it, I did have a moment and I'm not usually somebody who worries a lot about this kind of thing. But I had I had a minute there where I thought, oh, my gosh, is like, is this even going to happen? Like another conference um, South by Southwest got canceled like the day after I got to my conference. And I thought, should I like it was one of those would it be irresponsible of me not to consider canceling Mm -hmm. the trip, even though I didn't feel in my gut that I needed to, you know? Um, But I read there's, they're keeping up with travel, uh, not warnings isn't even the right word, with like like advisories. Yes, like what you should do now, what you should be thinking about now, where it's safe to fly. And um, I'm pretty sure as of us recording everywhere domestically in the United States is considered safe to fly. I don't know that that was, I haven't checked the news this morning, so maybe not. Um, but once I was like on route to the airport, all that, it felt fine. Um, 
Because like once I'm into something, I kind of like switch to this like, well, here I am. There's nothing I can do about it now, you mm-hmm. know, so I'm in that. But like I washed my hands so much a lot. on this trip, <laughs> a lot. And I will I also made a joke, a jokey little post on Facebook yesterday about like the performative um, hand washing <laughs> that's going on. Like nobody wants to be the first one to break, like to break away from the sink. Right. If you get to the sink at the same time as someone else, like it's like a contest to right. see who can create the most suds and lather up the longest. Oh my God. So I was carrying around hand lotion and just handing it out to people because everyone's hands are really dry. Right. Um, other than that, I made, I was in four different airports and several of them big international airports. And I think I saw seven masks, eight masks, maybe. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. So that was a relief. I didn't want to see that. Like I was afraid that would be, it would feel very different, you know, it would feel it really so didn't. different. And I think that the facts that are coming out now is that masks are really reserved for like first responder healthcare yes. workers. And that in terms of, or should be, or should be. And right. then in terms of the spread, unless you're wearing a very specifically fitted surgical mask and know how to use it 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 doesn't really work and the things that do work the things we know that do work like maintaining a little bit of a distance and Mm -hmm. not touching contaminated surfaces and washing your hands a lot work much more effectively than just throwing on a mask again I I kind of feel like the the big caveat with everything we say is today's March 8th and everything could be different well and I saw people in the airport with what I'm pretty sure were painters masks on so like you know I'm I'm not gonna judge anybody but I was kind of like I'm not sure that's and I even read that um, if you have a mask on and you're constantly adjusting yes, it and like it actually could be worse. Sure, because so t- your hands are touching up by your, your face. face. Mm-hmm. I will say I have been become very aware, acutely aware of how much I touch my face, yep. it, especially when I'm like, um, especially when I'm talking to people. I think that I tend to like one of the ways that I show that I'm paying attention to someone is like I'll have my hand resting mm-hmm. on my chin or I'll, you know, I just have been so aware of it in the last few days. And I know that's one of those things that like. Um, we're, you know, supposed to be working on. So yeah. I'm, and I'm reminding my kids as whenever I think of it, um, yeah. not so, and they're like, yes, I know mom, the teachers are telling us like oh all the time. Gosh, I know. And, and I also, because I had that really bad flu a few weeks ago, I have had this like lingering phlegmy cough mm-hmm. that, so I have to cough like once an hour. And once I know that I have to cough, I can't, there's no not coughing. Mm-hmm. Like I will feel like I'm drowning. Right. So I'd be on the air on the airplane and I'm like, oh, no, I have to cough. And I feel so guilty. Like I noticed every time someone coughed or sneezed that their guilt reaction was extreme because I think everyone is so self-conscious right now. Yeah. Well, about I, it. I got another cold. I mean, we've we've yeah. documented our illness. We both had an influenza situation earlier, but I got another cold and it wasn't even a bad cold, but I completely lost my voice. And I'm sure you all can still hear it a little bit. Um, so with the hoarse voice and just a little bit of a, a cough, a dry cough. Yeah. Same thing. Like you're very self-conscious. You're very self-conscious sending your kids out. If they, you know, if they are coughing or sneezing, it's just kind of a nutty time. So yeah. I guess to bring it back to travel, you have, you're coming out here to California in early April and yeah. then again in early May. Um, and you have described yourself as like, in general, an optimist, and you're not someone to like worry about something before you have to, if, if you don't need to. And right. so I love or that if, about or you. Or if there's nothing I can do, like I'm right. more likely to worry about the thing I can actually do. But but beyond that, I feel like it's out of my hands, and I I don't know what that's just like a philosophical thing, I guess. But it's also I think just a personality thing. And I know you're not right. It's harder for you. Well, it is harder for me, and I'm gonna set that aside for now. But I'm curious, like booking an airline ticket is actually like a thing that you have to do in advance. So are you, if there's something like this and who knows, there will be other things like this in the future, other uncertainties. Are you still likely to just go ahead and book your flight and then deal with it? If, if things come up later on, or are you like a wait and see, maybe this will get canceled. Like where I know you already have your tickets for April, but probably not for May. I'm guessing. Um, no, I don't have them for May. Um, I am, I am much more a lead with the assumption that it's going to all be fine. Mm -hmm. Book the ticket. Cause otherwise like you might just regret that you didn't. Mm -hmm. And if it gets to that point, I mean, a lot of like airlines are already putting policies into place about refunds and changes and all Mm -hmm. that stuff. Plus I'm flying Southwest. Mm-hmm. So I know yeah. for a fact, if I um, cancel that trip, I can just re I can just use that credit. So yeah. I'm not like now if it were like, you know, if it were much if it was a lot more dire right now mm-hmm. and the trip was in two weeks, yeah. I might be like, what's the point? Right. You know, I'll just do that like last minute. Right. Um, I guess it depends, yeah. too, on 
the attractiveness or the necessity of the trip itself. True. Right. This like trip a, is very attractive. To right. Me. <laughs> right. And I use that word attractive because it may not be necessary, but it may be something you really, really, really want to do right. or it may be yep. something you really, really need to do. Um, and I do think like, you know, in terms of business travel, companies are, you know, changing their definition of necessary travel. And I think that's I think in general, that's a good thing. Like, I think this whole Corona thing is such a balance between smart precaution and not letting that smart precaution create the illusion of panic. Um, yes. and, and there is a difference. You know, I, I respect both businesses and individuals and families who make decisions that are like not out of panic, but out of like, well, it doesn't cramp our, t- our style too much to delay this trip or to not go to this thing. So why risk it? That's very different than like yeah. burn it all down. We're staying inside for the next six right. months. But it can look on the outside. It can look kind of similar. Do you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. It's, it's yeah, an yeah. interesting psychology. Right. Because if you're looking at it, I mean, I think that was why I was really glad that the advice that we've all been given is something that we should all be doing anyway, but we're just doing it a little more intensively now and not something that completely changed the feel of the trip. Like if I had gotten some, you know, notice from the CDC or something that said, don't approach anyone, don't talk to people, like wear hazmat suit, whatever, then that would have felt so foreign. I wouldn't have wanted to go. Like it would have been, even, even if it was just precaution, it would have felt very anxiety creating. Whereas now the precautions we're taking feel pretty normal. Yeah. And they feel like the same precautions we should take around any um, immunocompromised group of people or, or just cold and flu season. It feels like the same advice with perhaps a heightened, um, like really do this though. (laughs) Like no, (laughs) like I know we always say it, but like for real this time. And I, you know, I was at a conference and the number of people who shook hands compared to the people who like just kind of waved or did jazz hands or fist bumped or whatever was different. You know, like I wasn't walking around. Like I felt like I had to, if I had come out of the bathroom and I had just washed my hands and someone wanted to shake hands, I'd be like, they're, they're a little damp, but it's, I didn't sneeze. It's just because I just, they're freshly cleaned. Um, People had more hand sanitizer out and that the, the jury is out on even hand sanitizer and how effective that is. It has to be a certain concentration. And so, you know, it's, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Well, we are going to in a minute take a break and then get into kind of high level travel planning um, next week, by the way. So in part two, we're going to get into the details of like what sites we like to use, how we like to book accommodations and some really detailed stuff. And this week, we're going to keep it more high level and also talk about just this concept of family vacation. And maybe if the season of life that you're in, if that doesn't feel doable, how to yeah. how to deal with that. But we did want to start with start with a little Corona talk. Um, and I'll just in the show notes, I did, I have found, um, a couple of good resources if your kids are anxious and I definitely deal with some, some anxiety. I feel like it's pretty well managed right now. Um, but both myself and my kids, I think just worry a little bit more maybe than you are naturally inclined to do. So I will pop those links in the show notes and, um, you know, who knows, they may be helpful to you this week, or there may be new and better information by the time you hear this. So, yeah. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals. And Katie loved the herb crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, we're all comparing notes on our favorite product. 
Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. All right, let's dig into this idea of, air quotes, family vacation, because I think we'd like to maybe expand the definition a little and perhaps challenge the assumption that everyone's doing them and that they all look Instagram perfect. So I thought it would be interesting if we each answer the question, when was the last time you took a proper family vacation? And so by that, I mean, you weren't going to visit extended family at their house. You weren't prompted to go to someone's wedding or like, um, you know, a, a grandma's hundredth birthday, that kind of thing. But like a destination that you chose as a family that you went with all of your five kids. So, okay. I, Well, if we're saying all of the five kids, I have to back up even further. I would say the most recent one was we went up north last year camping. Okay. Um, But it was an extended family thing. So all of my brothers and sisters and all their families went. And I only took three of the five kids because they were the bigger ones were working. And that's just kind of adults now. But like that. So that counts. Um, The one before that would have been when we went to Yellowstone in 2016. And I could probably count on one hand. When I sat down and thought about this, the number of legit, using this criteria, yeah, the number of legitimate family vacations we've taken that were not in some way inspired by some other event. You know yeah. what I mean? Like a mm-hmm. couple times went to Florida. Um, uh, yeah, some camping trips, like lots of yeah. little trips, but like really like the idea of this like spring break bona fide, we're all gonna right. get in the car or on a plane and go someplace as a family just cause like- has not really been part of my parenting experience, which is weird because we traveled a lot. Right. It's just that there's always been some other tie. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think that's the reason I asked this question because I think that's sometimes that's harder to see when you're seeing people's Instagram photos, for example, or hearing where they're going. So I would agree. But um, in so last summer, we took the kids to San Francisco and it was just the five of us. We did stay with friends, but I would call that that was just saving money on accommodations. We didn't go in order to see those friends. And it wasn't for any kind of event. Um, And we really did the touristy stuff in the city as a family of five. Um, That combined with last year's spring break, we did Arizona, which again, we went to see friends, but it was just the five of us and it wasn't for an event. Those two are probably the only two since becoming like our own nuclear family. Now, again, we've traveled a ton. It is always for the purpose because I have in-laws on the East Coast and in the Midwest um, my parents have moved around some and we've had lovely and wonderful and sometimes grandparents subsidized, like, I'll just be really honest, yeah. trips. Um, but they they weren't like you said, the let's all as a five of us go somewhere. And and that for my kids ages was also because that would not be fun. It would be really right. expensive. And we had enough travel that we had to do to get to grandma's house on the East Coast yeah. or to go to this cousin's wedding that adding something else was cost prohibitive, first of all, and wasn't going to be enjoyable. So we are really um, like I'm super excited about our ability to travel now. And I'll talk about that more in this episode and next week as well. But not really very many, maybe two since becoming a family. Yeah. And and those are only more recently. So well, and they didn't seem necessary. Like, I mean, right. the, yes, the cost prohibitiveness and the fact that it would just be more travel to add on to all the travel you were already doing. But like, I don't I don't feel like I I missed out by not having more of those, quote, you know, legit vacations, unquote. Um, yeah, it's just a season of life kind of thing. I think it's and a I season think, yeah. of life kind of thing. And, 
you know, depending on where you live weather-wise, it can be really um, depressing or hard to have no escape. And we had several Phoenix summers, and I know you've had Michigan and Minnesota winters the same, where it just feels like I, there's nowhere to go. The there's no way. Like, yes, you can't escape it. Yeah. 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 So I feel I feel for people. But I was just laughing because I'm coming out, um, you know, knock wood. I'm coming out to California <laughs> during our spring break. And I was with Clara and I was just laughing, thinking like this might be the only time I've done anything during spring break for years. Like yeah. usually I don't even think about traveling during spring break because Everybody else is traveling during spring yeah. break. And so it's like, I, I don't know. It's just not been a thing yeah. that we've done as a family uh, yeah. typically. So, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So now maybe let's expand this idea of family vacation since we're not taking them every, you know, three times a year. Like maybe it seems like people are. So what are some things that can make something feel like a vacation, um, even if it doesn't, you know, tick all those boxes on paper? And I can go first for this. Um, For me, I love to plan travel and I love I love being in the modern day that we're in where you can sit in your pajamas with your coffee at home and plan travel. There's something very like escapist and aspirational about looking at, um, we're going to get into accommodations in detail next week, but I could look at VRBO and Airbnb places to stay for a really long time. I, you know, cause I'm not moving. I don't have to like actually yeah. commit to this house forever, but I love that. I love looking for deals on, on, you know, flights. I even love like you and I have so many conversations about, should I have the layover? Should I not? Like right. there's something that satisfies the planner in me about planning. And then another thing that I love is I love getting someplace and settling in and kind of like setting up house, whether that's a hotel room for a couple of days or a campsite or, you know, a rented house. So I guess I mentioned those things because I can get I can scratch those itches with a staycation, you know, an inexpensive staycation, you know, a weekend at the grandparents um, where we plan some special things to do. So um, I think for me, knowing knowing what feels like a vacation, a lot of it is the anticipation. I really enjoy the planning, the packing, the setting up, and all of that can be achieved uh, relatively low budget if needed. Yeah, I totally agree. And and so much of it is like, what is if you're looking at a true vacation? then relaxation is like, mm-hmm. you know, and fun are part of the names of the game. And one of my very favorite things to do is drive to my sister's house. She just lives two hours away. She's not in a vacation destination. Um, but go during the summer and hang out on her porch. She has like two amazing porches and the back porch overlooks a pond that her now husband, Eric built. And we listen to music and sometimes we'll run out for dinner and take a walk. And it's just, it's not my house, but it feels like comfy, like being kind of like being at home, but better because it's not my house Mm -hmm. and it doesn't really cost me any money. I'm just gas to get there. And so it's, it really feels like I'm being on vacation. Mm -hmm. And I also feel like I can get there and either do nothing or if we want to, we can go do something. It's Mm -hmm. like, like there's all these options. Um, another thing I've noticed is we have to go, if we have to go anywhere, like just finding a hotel with a pool. So say the kids had to go with me, um, I don't know, to, on a work thing or like, because I had to travel a few Mm -hmm. hours away, like a hotel with a pool makes it feel like vacation. Yeah. 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 That's so true. They always want the pool. The pool always wins. Yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, I think both, what both of us are saying is being away from your house, like packing a suitcase and leaving your house has this, it creates a separation from everyday life to quote unquote vacation. So if you are in a season of life where budget or time or, you know, ability to travel is minimal, um, I do think there are little things you can do that will simulate that experience. Um, and also it might be good practice for if your kids are little, you know, doing a one or two night staycation somewhere, yeah. if you find a good deal, it's, it's good practice as a family. And then you can work up to the big stuff. Cause we all know, like when we set our sights on some big exciting things, sometimes it's not as fun as we thought, or sometimes right. it's more expensive than we thought. So I think starting small and, and staying local or finding ways to simulate that same feeling um, can be great in certain seasons of life. Um, so I want to acknowledge that in this Instagram culture that we live in, there's like, it's, it's kind of like if you don't post about it, did it even happen with yeah. vacations? And so I was curious what you, I know I vacillate wildly with this. I sometimes want to break from my phone and mm-hmm. I 
I, I resist the kind of pressure, especially with Instagram stories, which can be really fun. It can be really fun to share little snippets of what you're doing, but it takes me out of the moment. And so I will go like on some trips, I will do nothing. And then on others, I like put on my influencer hat and try to really like show where we are and what we're doing. And I, I've never really found exactly what I want. It's just kind of a whim. But you... I, I like when you are gone. <laughs> I like when you are gone. No, that's not what I meant. I Aww. love the way you share on social because I feel like it's it's very intentional and um, you go to really pretty places. And like last year, you did your solo trip and you you documented a lot. I did. But but if you notice, I didn't document like two other trips. I think I'm very much the same as you. Yeah. Like it's the mood I'm in. It's also like how much the itinerary lends itself to downtime. Uh-huh. Um and so like, I think on our, our camping trip with the kids, I might've posted one or two pictures maybe, but I really didn't go all in. And I, that was a week long vacation. And then when I went by myself, it was just me wandering through the woods thinking all day. Mm-hmm. So that was like, not only was it great content, um, but it was also like, I, I was lonely. You know, I yeah. was, I liked being alone. It was actually being the solo part was great. And I was up in the North woods. So sometimes I didn't know if I'd have internet the next day or any signal at all. So like the ability to sit down at the end of the night and kind of type up my thoughts on my phone and send them out into the world and get some feedback felt good. Like I needed it, Mm -hmm. you know, but it wasn't because I wanted to brag about the trip. It was because I was like, look at this amazing thing like that I saw today or these these thoughts that I had and shared them. Um, But there are there are definitely times that I travel and don't say a thing. Yeah. We joke about our conference, like how bad we are at conferences. Yeah. It's like, um something about the way my, and I don't know if it's an introvert thing or just the way I process social interactions. If I'm having a lot of in-person social interaction, meeting lots of people, having a lot of conversations, I just go quiet on yeah. social media. Like I can't do both. When you were talking about your solo trip, I was thinking back to when we did San Francisco last year, and that was a true, you know, Powers family, our tourists in a big city. Um, I did one post a day and I did like, um, you know, several photos you could swipe through. And I did list the places we went and kind of like, I did kind of see it as like, if I was following me, it would be interesting to see like the different museums and the places we right. went. And I, I treated it more like a travel log or like travel writing almost. Um, but it helped because we had a downtime. We were staying with friends in a like yeah. very chill house. And so just like you said, I wasn't doing it in the moment, but I was able to regroup at the end of the day. So I don't know. Little- I'm, I'm an extrovert and I'm the same way about conferences. Like when I'm in, in the mode of connecting with people, I find it really hard to then create content yeah. about that. Like yeah. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing the thing. Now, maybe a week later, something will come to mind and I'll be like, oh, right. I should have posted about that. But I, in the moment, I very, very rarely think to do that. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably why you and I are both long form writers. Mm-hmm. We tend to be reflective. Yes. Like, you know, we, we think back to things that happened years ago, not things that happened mm-hmm. a minute ago. Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that for me, the the up north trip was a little bit more almost of an anomaly just because I was alone and I had so much downtime. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you had you had wonderful thoughts to share. Also, um, let me also say that I think with your San Francisco trip, that's a little bit different because those are going to be recognizable like attractions that people uh-huh. are going to are going to feel like they want to know that you went. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's different if I'm just like stomping around the woods up <laughs> north. Like I went to this one special tree that everyone knows about. It's not quite the same. Right. So then it was more reflective. and. Yeah. A little different. Yeah. Well, I guess all that to say, and the reason we wanted to bring that up is whether or not you publicly talk about having been on a vacation, it can be a vacation. And and the reflexive yes, is also happened. true. It happened. And, and so there's no wrong or right way, I guess. And I think to keep that in mind when you're consuming other people's vacation content, they may be doing, I always try to remind myself, like a lot of people do social media because they have far away grandparents and family. And I, I know people in real life who are like this. They're like, I know I post a lot, but it makes my mother-in-law so happy and she never gets to right. see the kids. And I'm like, I, you know, so I think when you're consuming somebody else's vacation content, just remember the, the reasons for them posting it could be all over the map. It could be for their own, you know, photo albums later or just that they really want to share. But the performative side of of, um, you know, family vacations is just very it's it's a it's a nuanced thing. So not everybody is doing the vacations all the time and they're not posting it to make you feel bad if you're stuck at home, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> yes, totally true. Um. OK, well, let's switch gears. And I know that you have some vacation 
war stories, shall we say, <laughs> or like some memories of what it was like attempting family vacations when you yeah. had a bunch of little kids. So just pick out of the hat. Tell me about yeah. what that was like. Okay. Well, um, I did a lot of travel writing when my kids were little and I was actually just talking to a friend about this yesterday because the way it works. If, so if you're a travel writer, you get a lot of free travel, which in theory is great. Um, but typically somebody, whether it's the publication you're writing for, or maybe like the tourism bureau at the town you're going to you know, travel to or mm-hmm. whatever, they're putting together an itinerary for you. And then you follow that itinerary. And so starting with when William was really little, but really more, more when like Owen was really little. And then some when Clara was really little. So you we either had the, three, four or five small three, children. Three, four or five small children. And I, I very specifically remember a trip would have been, Jacob would have been nine or so. And Owen was a toddler. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like nine, seven, um, four and, or five and toddler. Sorry, did I get that right? No, it would have been, no, he would have been a baby in arms. Yeah. Yeah. So he was a little baby. And we went on this trip where it was like, uh, it was like maritime, like Great Lakes Maritime Museums okay. and things. <laughs> so we're like walking through like the, the lower decks of a Coast Guard cutter mm-hmm. with small children in arms. <laughs> and they had us go to like four of those. Now it's really cool. They're cool. They're really cool. And then yeah. there's always some old dude who's just, you know, kind of a crusty guy who like loves it and wants to get into every little like showing you where the, the mess hall or whatever, like mm-hmm. where the, the sailors would eat and all this stuff. And it was cool, but it was like, just like back to back. And some of the ones that I did that were like these bigger itineraries, um, we would call them like joy. The, my friend and I, who was also a travel writer, we would call them like a joyless death march because it was basically <laughs> like no family would ever actually do this to themselves. And right. if they did, it would be like a really bad idea. There was one time we did three states in three days. Oh my gosh. Um, we drove all the way to Duluth and then made our way down through Minnesota. And then we did it. There was one time we did an amusement park, a bed and breakfast several different museums, like in three days with little, t- little kids. I just can't believe we did it. Okay. So actually. I have two, que- two follow-up questions. <laughs> what would yes. the conversation look like with John, your husband at the time when these opportunities came up? Like, was there a like, Hey honey, like we get a free trip, but also like, you got to help me. Like this is work. Like what were, did you, yeah. did you turn down some, was it like a choice or was it just the the reality of your writing career at that point? It was. Well, I mean, I guess it was a choice in theory, but these would have been stories that I would have pitched. So I was actively yeah, trying so you wanted to, to. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to, <laughs> you and I was getting, wanted. and I, I was getting paid yeah. and John was great. Like he was always all for whatever, like we tag teamed really well. Um, but there were, I remember, I think the last one, the, the last really crazy one that I remember they just kept us going. It was like, it was just one thing after another. And it was like an eight hour drive away. And the last day we did caves, which are awesome. So we're like in these caves and I knew we had one more thing and it was a canoe trip, like a guided canoe trip and, um, definitely had like a toddler at the time. And I said to the person at the caves, as we're getting (laughs) ready to leave, and it's like 85 degrees out, I said, Hey, do you know how long this canoe trip is? And she's like, Oh, three and a half, four hours. And so we just blew town. Yeah. I don't even know if we called the place and told them we weren't coming. We're like, why would they do this to us? Like, like this is, who, this is a what family would ever disaster. do this? Yeah. Like what family would ever actually want to cram all this in to three days? So I really regret if I was one of those people who added to the, you know, um, wealth of content out there on family vacations. That sounds great in theory, but then. Right. If you accidentally you actually contributed. Yes. I'm, I'm sorry if I did. I think usually by the time I wrote the piece, I was like, no, yeah. no, this is not happening. So that's so funny. Were they, um, were these pieces running in print magazines online, a combination, both? both? Yeah. Like I did them. There was, um, you know, triple a, like the, yeah, yeah. they have, they have, um, regional magazines. Mm -hmm. So I wrote for a lot of those and then like Midwest living and Disney had a website that I don't think is up anymore, but it was called family.com. And that was the one, maybe it was family.go. I don't remember, but it was all like travel itineraries and it was, go to this, you know, Mackinac Island. I remember doing Mackinac Island, which is mm-hmm. in upper Michigan. Mm-hmm. And it, I just was laughing the whole time. I'm like, no one, no, no one's really going to do <laughs> no this. No one's going to do well, all And this. you yeah. as, as a kind of like hardwired rebel a little bit, I can see the, like, here's what you are going to do with your family today as like right. almost going against your very nature. But if, yeah. like you said, you had pitched this idea. This was 
This yeah, was and I was getting paid. It was part of, it was my job. And, right. you know, the, there were always perks too. Like we would always get to our hotel and there'd be some like basket of goodies. And so what's funny is when I stopped doing that kind of writing or I, I mean, every now and then I'll still have something like that come up, but very rare. And the kids would be like, where's our goodies? We'd get to a hotel up there <laughs> or like, where's our VIP passes? So they really got used to getting perks. Yeah. And then we had to explain like, this isn't normal. Yeah. Like people don't just get to do all this stuff for free and, you know, eat for free. And like, it was, yeah, it was kind of crazy. I have a teeny twinge of envy only because I think I would have been really good at that. And, and it would have been really fun. And I kind of missed the missed the boat. Also with the timing of when we moved from Arizona to California, as well as just the, the shift in how that kind of writing even works anymore right. online. But I, I think that would have been really fun. I said, I think I would have been well suited to it. And I think my kids would have enjoyed it. And every once in a while, an opportunity will come up here and I'm like, why, why don't I get invited on these things? Like, I, right. I, I don't know. It's just kind of funny. Yeah. And what I, it took me like probably three or four years to realize that I didn't have to do everything on the list. Yeah. So now when I get invited on press trips and I rarely take the kids now, it's almost always just me, but I'll just say, no, that doesn't interest me or no, like I can't really do that because it's not what yeah. I write about or whatever. And they usually will work with you. I wish I had figured that out. Well, earlier. I'm putting it out there that I still, especially with where I live, although there's so much to do where I live, but there are also so many um, influencers and right. and like travel bloggers and stuff. But I'm putting it out in the universe that I definitely would do that still with the ages of my kids and go to a national park or go, you know, just yeah. go, go explore and write about stuff. Well, I don't specifically have like, war stories maybe as clearly defined as you do but i i can just share that i have a general amalgam of memories as we sometimes say like of terrible terrible sleep cuz i had babies who were not great sleepers and then we would take them across the country or you know a few hours away we almost always flew um mm. and i always felt like the flight the flight there always goes better than you think because you're so prepared and you're so like you've solved for every possible thing that could go wrong. You have like a spare change of clothes and you've figured out yeah. where to change a diaper. And, and so the flight there always goes better than expected. And then you get there and the first night of sleep for us was always so terrible. Awful. Even if the kids doesn't matter, you could have tried to keep them on their nap schedule on the travel day, or they could be super tired. So you think they'll crash. It doesn't matter. No matter what happened, the first night of sleep would be so bad. And the first day in the new location would be so grumpy. And I just have this like, you know, we always talk about that eyes tired, tired, like yes. there's tired. And then there's like, you want to cry. You're yes. so tired. Um, which would often lead us into a cycle of days of like, not knowing when to put a baby down for a nap because everything's off. And you're like, I don't know. I don't know if they need more sleep. I don't know if I should try to keep them up. And it just felt, it felt very lonely at times. Often I was mm. the only one with little kids and trying to like function with some extended family gathering. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of memories of being very strategic about where to put a pack and play and like in a closet or a bathroom with a fan on for the white noise. And then like, who's going to stay back to try to get the baby to nap. And, you know, finally by my third kid who admittedly was the, she was still a terrible nighttime sleeper, but she was the best napper and the best about napping on the go finally got a little bit easier. But so for me, it's not any one war story, but it's just like, man, I did not have fun on a lot of those trips yeah. or I had very little slivers of fun. You know, I was chronically yeah. sleep deprived. I was always more hopeful that my kids would sleep through the night or like, and it, 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 there's so many things that that layers onto you. Like I know next week we're going to talk a lot about hotel versus rented house. And it just felt like it was all a big jigsaw puzzle that I had to solve. Like if they were going to be up all night, maybe I should sleep in there with them. It just was like, it was so many details. And I know that I, yeah. I bring some of that on myself because I am a detail person, but um, yeah, it was not easy. So that's my, that's my general memory. And it's so much was, easier now. I was just thinking when you were talking of that, that bone tired, eyes tired, yeah. but also the disruption, um, both, I might, might've shared this before, but William weaned while on a trip mm -hmm. and Jacob weaned off his pacifier while on a trip, because with the case with Jacob, we always had, you know how you have like, I don't know, did any of your kids take pacifiers? No, only as newborns. And then they found their yeah. thumb. All three of my kids were thumb suckers. So Jacob was the only one of my kids who took a passy. And, and I think all passy parents out there will recognize <laughs> this. Like dad has pacifiers on every, all over his person. Uh -huh. And we had them in every bag. There would always be one in my purse. And we had been on this really long trip. I want to say we drove from like Minnesota to Lansing, Michigan, which is like a 12 hour drive. And we stayed with my sister. So we got in really, really, really late. 
And Jacob starts, he had been asleep, but then he started to wake up and started kind of like whimpering for his pacifier. And John pats his shirt pocket and his other shirt pocket. <laughs> and I dig in my purse. And somehow we had gone through them all. Like somehow oh every gosh. spare pacifier had been spent um, during the course of this trip. And we knew there was probably one in the car, but I just looked at him and I said, Jacob, honey, we, we can't, I can't get out of this bed. Like, yeah. we're not going to the store. We're not going to the car. You just don't have a pacifier anymore. And that was it. He oh was gosh. done after that. And with William, it was the same thing. Like he was a toddler and he came over um, and it was like bed. We had, it was in a hotel. I clearly remember that. I don't remember what trip it was on. And he came over and started kind of like acting like he wanted to nurse. And I was like, no, no, no. In this hotel, we don't do that. <laughs> we, and that's truly how it was. And he, I remember clearly he was, he kind of went, oh, and that was it. That's so, so sometimes funny. like you could use that. Yeah. Like that to your advantage that, that everything's different and everything's weird and the kids are tired too. And you're so tired. You almost don't even care at that's what a, the reaction that's a really, is. That's a really good point. And it just um, reminded me that I weaned, well, I was in a long gradual weaning with Violet, but the last time I nursed any children, because Violet's the last, was also on a vacation uh, with my parents at that yeah. house in Tahoe they had uh, for a while. And I don't know that it was connected to the vacation, but it did just feel like, well, I think we're done. So that's funny. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest. I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh. But you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately, the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather. But please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay. Well, on this show in general, we love to talk about knowing ourselves uh, and our personalities and what makes us tick as moms and then using that <laughs> to our yeah. advantage. And I think when planning a trip, um, that this is super important. And of course, you know, knowing your partner and knowing your family, of course, that all applies as well. So I thought we could just say um, what some things are that we have learned about ourselves as moms and how we keep those in mind when planning a trip. And I can, I can go first on this one. A um, couple things I have noticed about myself traveling with my family is I get stressed out at what I perceive to be wasteful spending of money or of time. I'm, I'm sensitive to like inefficiency and waste. And it kind of bums me out because I can feel myself doing it. Like I can feel myself like this is not 
a hill worth dying on. And it happens a lot. Like, you know, when you eat out as a family and you're on vacation and like chicken fingers cost $12 and yet your kids each want something else and you know, there's going to be food left over on the table. Like I just have a hard time. What I wish I could do is know that going in, set a budget for food if that's what, and, and next week we'll talk about like ways to save money and stuff like that. And then just let it go. Like let the $12 chicken fingers sit uneaten on the table and don't carry that with me as like a, some kind of like mark of failure or something. So that is one thing I know about myself, um, that I, I try to solve for just by like knowing that and kind of letting it go or taking steps to, you know, minimize waste and inefficiency. Um, something else I know about myself I've talked about on the show is I have a pretty high need to feel physically safe in my surroundings. And that does that does make a difference when thinking about where to stay or like how to get around. Um, I'm just more anxious about certain things. Um, and so that does impact how we plan our travel. And if we get in late at night somewhere, how we choose to get from airport to hotel. Um, so I'm just a little bit more cautious, I think, in that area. Um, on the positive side, I think I'm really good at I love to learn about the places we're going. And I love to channel my like inner homeschool mom, which I I don't think I could ever really be a full time homeschool mom. But, you know, like get into kind of immerse uh, ourselves, the kids in where we're going and learn about it and maybe check out a book from the library and get the kids excited about where we're going. So I'm good with like tours and museums. And so far, my kids have been surprising, maybe not surprisingly, I've been pleasantly surprised that they also have really enjoyed that part of going somewhere and learning. And that's kind of new, new to us. So I think I make a good, I make a, I don't know what you would call that, like a docent. I make a good family docent for like (laughs) structuring our time and making sure that it's meaningful and fulfilling. I think I'm, I'm good at, I'm good at that part. So now would you say that your, your willingness to take small risks in your physical space or try different methods of communicate or um, transportation or whatever. Do you feel like that's something that's changing or, cause I will say, I was actually very surprised that you last year we went to Austin that you planned to, I believe. I think it was Atlanta. Train. Was yeah. Atlanta. You plan to take a train. You know, you know, what's so funny about that is it plays into this whole thing of wasted money and time. I yeah. had heard that that train was so much better than being stuck in what I had traffic. heard was really terrible traffic. And so that uh, it went right uh, from the belly of the airport into our hotel, that it was a straight shot and that it was faster and like, you know, one fiftieth of the price, which totally appeals to my efficiency model. And then okay. you took the well, train and, then and I did like, it like the day I don't before. think you should do this. <laughs> I just, so I took it and it was like, I don't think you would have liked it. Like, I just remember thinking this is not for Sarah. No. And you were so sweet. And like, that is a really a true sign of friendship that, you know, I get I get nervous if I feel in close like proximity and things are uncertain. Right. Yes. Well, um, I was approached by several people saying nonsense. And yeah, one guy like got like mad at me because I didn't give me. him money. Yeah. And so like, I thought, I just don't think this is the experience that Sarah's going to want to start this trip with. Right. But I was surprised that you even had the idea to begin with. Like that felt surprising. And yeah. the funny thing was I had just assumed I was going to take a, a cab. Right. But then when you suggested the train, I was like, oh yeah, great idea. So I did. And then you talked yourself out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, <laughs> you protected know, me. Or I talked you out of it. You yeah. protected me, which I love. It totally came from, if I had not read that it was so much faster and more efficient and um, cheaper than then it wouldn't have probably entered into the conversation. Right. But, you know, when you ask that question, when I was a young adult before kids, I've always I've always had that nervous streak in me. But I traveled Europe. I traveled big cities. Yeah. I um, I definitely was I'm not opposed to public transportation or, you know, so afraid that I can't go out at night or anything like that. But I I just think like when you have your kids with you, too. Yes. Um, yeah. It adds another layer of like not only are you protecting them, but there's less control. There's like, right. you can't control them. Right. And how they are. And yeah, you're, you're outnumbered sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. And sometimes it just, it just puts a little dull on my overall enjoyment. If I feel like I'm needing to be on watch, it's not that I think we're going to get mugged or whatever, but I, but I, it, it just, I may be less relaxed. And so that's yeah. just something I've solved for. Okay. So how about you? What are some things you know about yourself and how does that relate to planning a trip? Well, I think, I think I can be a little inconsistent about what I think is worth the effort um, to do and what's not. And I really started boiling this down. We've talked a lot lately, Sarah, about muscle memory, like Mm -hmm. mom muscle memory and how 
I almost still go into family vacations with this like defensiveness, like when's my fun going to start right to where I expect that it won't. And Mm -hmm. almost, I almost overreact to having to do things that are just like that I have to do because I'm an adult and it's part of the vacation experience. So like an example was last year, um, we were on this camping trip and there was tons of kids but that day, like all the adults split off. And so there were three vehicles, three families, but two of the vehicles were like, I think my brother, I think Catherine's husband went and like rock picking somewhere. Okay. And then my brother, John took his truck because it was acting funny. So he took it into town to get looked at. So it was like the only vehicle was mine. Mm-hmm. And so in order to get all the kids to the beach, that was maybe 15, 20 minutes down the road, they had to go in. There were so many children. I had to take them in like two or three groups. Uh-huh. And there was like, you know, we're out in the middle of nowhere. So there's no way to communicate. I couldn't even make a phone call um, to like arrange with the mom who's right. on the other end that I'm coming or like, do you need anything? You so were just it was a shuttle. Just, I was a shuttle. I acted as a shuttle for probably three hours, just going back and forth. And I was really grumpy about it for like a minute. And then I thought it's not so bad. Every time I drop off a group of kids, I now get 20 minutes in the car by myself mm-hmm. and quiet. Like that's not so awful. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I have a hard time sometimes relaxing into the idea that there's nothing to be done. There's nothing for me to do here. Like yeah. we are on vacation. So the whole point is we're not doing things mm-hmm. and we're not accomplishing anything. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's no details I need to take care of. Like and just to relax and let that be fun and not to think there's something else I need to be doing to be having more fun. You're so right. It's like the indignant feeling about having <laughs> yes. our time wasted. Yes. is not the currency is not the same when on vacation. Right. And our role isn't always the same, especially as kids get older. When your kids are tiny, your role, I hate to tell you, is kind of the same. You still it have is. to it's, put babies yeah. down for nap and change diapers and stuff. But as kids get older, I agree. It's almost like you have to redefine like what, who am I on vacation? So yeah. I think that's so interesting. Let you become reactive. And I think there's a funny, um, the onion, I'm sure you've oh, seen yes. it. That's like, it. you know, mom on vacation now does all the household chores somewhat closer to the beach. Yeah. I believe something yeah. like that is the headline. And, and on one level, I can identify with that because it does seem to like, you still do often fall into like your typical household roles. Mm-hmm. And if your house, that means you typically are the one who cooks or cleans well, it's not like there's a yard to pick up after. So say your spouse is the one who always takes care of like oil changes and bills. Right. Well, you're on vacation. Yeah. So those things don't matter, but you still have to eat. Like yeah. cleaning still has to happen. So you either have to like create a new way of delegating tasks that everyone is confused about, or you just do it. And in some ways I really like, um, homemaking in a space that's not my own. Like yes, to me, that's, that's, that's one of the pleasures. The, like setting up yeah. house. I love that too. I agree. <clears throat> I do. But sometimes you are like, well, wait a second. Like, why am I, <laughs> why am I still cooking? Like, yeah. but also some of that's on us, right? Cause we could decide to use paper plates yep. or make hot dogs or whatever. So and we it's could like also, we have to find that balance. We could also decide that we just like it. I think some of it yes. is like, um, we, it's a reflexive feeling to feel like, uh, why am I on my feet all day? I'm on vacation, right. but if you are the type of person that actually prefers to be active during the day, yes. you may just need to channel that into like, I like, I'm going to be busy on vacation, but I'm going to do it in flip flops. I'm going to do it right. in, a, in a house that's not mine. And I'm going to take more breaks and I'm going to put my feet up. But um, sometimes I think, and again, this comes back to like the expectation of family vacation. If, if you have this idea that you're supposed to have your feet up the whole time and then you don't, uh, that that mismatch expectation doesn't feel good. But if you're someone who likes caretaking, like you said, you like homemaking, you like being on your feet all day, then maybe you don't need to shed all of that um, for vacation. Just need to maybe shift your mindset. Yeah, agreed. All right. Well, what are some things you've noticed about kids and ages of stages of kids as you've moved through planning different trips? And just in case anybody's brand new, your kids are now from 10 to young adult yeah. and mine are between seven and almost 12. Um, but as you moved through and especially now in this stage, what do you notice about the ages your kids are and how that changes the trips you plan? Well, I mean, I know you'll probably dig more into infants and toddlers and preschoolers, but just like what you just said, I mean, when you're vacationing with babies and toddlers, what you're basically just doing is parenting exactly the same way in a different location, right? Like in a less convenient location. So um, we've talked before about 
keeping those expectations really low and making sure to work in plenty of downtime. Then things start to change when they get older. Like um, you might end up making compromises you didn't think you would with teenagers. Like when we went to, um, thinking about it, when we went to Yellowstone, Mm -hmm. you know, we didn't want Jacob to be grumpy about it. He really wasn't excited about the trip. So the deal we kind of made was if Jacob wants to stop and get coffee, we're going to stop and get coffee. And we didn't say that to him. But I remember clearly like, John and I a few times catching eyes and being like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're going to stop for coffee again, but we're going to do it because yeah. we want him to be, we want this trip to be fun for him too. Yeah. Like we want to all And he get was along. like 18? Yeah, he was 18. Okay. Yep. And he didn't have to go. Like that's the thing. We really wanted him to go. So we wanted him to want to go. Yeah. Um, another thing that I think, like we have this idea, especially now because there's all this talk about screen time and social media and that everyone's checked out and no one's paying attention to each other. So there's all this like, it's very um, loaded, this idea that we're all going to have quality time the entire time we're in mm-hmm. a trip and that there's some parental, like parental failing if your kids are all on their own devices in the car. And I then started thinking about when I was in the car with my parents when mm-hmm. I was a kid and they just played like whatever music they wanted. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to decide. And then I was expected to just like read or look out the window. Like mm-hmm. sometimes I think we over create this nostalgia yes. for past times that didn't exist. But I will tell you what, like if I'm in the car with my kids for 10 to 12 hours, it's not so bad for them to pop in their earbuds mm-hmm. for a while. And I can just listen to my music or sometimes I don't listen to any music or yeah. sometimes I'm having a conversation with just one kid and the others are all tuned out. I just, yeah. I've really relaxed on that as long as it feels like we're on vacation together and they will, as, as long as I can say, Hey, it's time to put that away. And they do it you know, gladly and cheerfully. Yes. I don't get all, I don't get myself all in a lather. I love that, that you said that. And I would love to jump in quickly just on the sure. topic of screens. I'm more permissive with screens while traveling for a couple of reasons. One, we're not in our own space, so they don't have the ability to like just play or do their usual non-screen based entertainment activities. And often what it turns into like a pillow fight in some someone else's house or something right. that I don't. So that's one. But there, it's also like, I agree. I think everybody, adults included, can benefit from just like Brian and I will say, I'm just going to go sit over here and look at my phone for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like we're just, yes, this is just um, it's a it's a more intense experience to be traveling with your family. And if one of the ways that we take a brain break is by staring at our phone for 30 minutes, I think right. there's nothing wrong with that. And I think there's nothing wrong with changing your screen time rules for your kids. And then the other thing I was going to say quickly is we haven't done as many uber long car trips like eight or 10 hours, but we do a lot of like three to five. Um, and one thing we do sometimes is one hour on one hour off. And during the one hour on, you can do whatever you want, like gaming or your own things. And then, and that's more for the longer ones. When we've done like a six hour ride that has worked out really well. Um, and we just literally look at the clock and be, and everybody adults. And then for that one hour, we might listen to an audio book as a family or talk. And then everybody go back to your, go back to your corners for an hour. Unless you're driving. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but then there is a, it is nice if you're the driver to be yeah. able in a, on a road trip, it is nice to be able to like tune out everyone else and get peace and quiet. I mean, yeah. yeah so. It also, it had the side benefit of breaking up the, the six to seven hour drive in little yeah. chunks. It's like, Oh, we've been doing, you know, we're three hours in. And so we just yep. did one hour on one hour off. So that's it. If anybody Sorry. wants to adopt that tip that has worked well. So for me, in terms of ages and stages, I think what helped when my kids were really little was um, going somewhere where we had family to help. And I know I started this whole episode talking about we never had a real family vacation. We were always visiting family. But the upsides of that is there was other adults to help. And so if I did need to get a nap or, or a little break, that was helpful. It was also helpful to go for longer, like five or seven days if we could, yes. because if you're dealing with time changes and the terrible sleep, it takes two or three days to get into a routine yep, just and, to settle in. Yeah. yeah. And then if you're turning around and going back, so longer trips felt better. Um, and so we did a lot of, you know, going to see family for a whole week or whatever. Now, the ages that they are now, seven, nine and 11, I actually like the idea of quickie trips. Our goal for 2020 was to do more close to home and like go to San Diego for a weekend, see a baseball game. We we sleep really well in one hotel room right now with the ages we are. It won't last forever. So we're much more nimble now and able to do quicker, shorter trips. Um, and I don't know, that might seem counterintuitive, but I, I actually think the longer trips were better when they were tiny. So that's kind of what I've noticed. Huh. Yeah. All right. 
Um, okay. Well, last question. Do you, how do you prioritize like the big decisions, like where to go and how to get there versus what you do when you're there? And I, the reason I asked this question, I'll just start is I have a hard time with this because I'm so good at putting kind of the rocks in place, right? Where are we going to go? When are we going to leave? How are we going to get there? I, I enjoy that type of planning. But then you can end up somewhere with an open day. And it's almost like I get burnout, like planning burnout. And I turn to Brian and I'm like, well, I don't know where I want to go to breakfast. Like you choose. Let's just find a place. And I like it's like I go to the other extreme and I'm unable to put some structure around, say, like a half a day that we don't know what we're doing. I, I spin my wheels a little bit. Do you it's like when you're so hungry, you can't? Yeah. You can't find yeah. A place or, to eat. or it's like too many <laughs> options. Yes, and I'm like, well, yeah. I did all the work of getting us here and we got right. here. And now should we go to this museum or should we go to the beach? And you know what else happens, of course, is there's like committee groupthink, right? Like yeah. if you have more than two adults, it can be really hard. And if you have multiple families, it's like, well, this doesn't work for us. So it can be that kind of decision making can actually be really hard for me, whereas I'm better at the big stuff. So how does that work for you? So I would say it's harder for me to narrow down the location because to me, there's like so many places I would love to go in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so picking the place we're going to go probably is like, like where we're going, like the big destination is the harder question to answer and like what feels most key to me. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I have gone to places that are like big destinations and once I get there, we do almost nothing. Yeah. And I'm totally okay with that. Or sometimes we do lots of things and I'm okay with that. So I feel like I'm better at being in the moment, making decisions on the fly and sometimes really keeping a very um, scaled back itinerary mm-hmm. than I am narrowing down the place to begin with, which is kind of the reverse of what you just yeah. said. But, I, well, yeah. I know because I've traveled a lot with you without kids that you're just really good at um, paying attention to your own what you want. And Mm -hmm. like in the moment, like I feel like I want to get outside or I feel like I want to sleep in tomorrow and I am not as good at doing that. It's like I don't know my own. And then when you have a bunch of kids, I I really don't like I only know what what I put on the schedule two weeks ago. And then I do that thing. (laughs) Like, right. um, So I'm curious how that I I would imagine you were also good at reading the family, like reading the family dynamic is like today we need a little lower key day or like today we're going to. And then when you and John were married, was that kind of like a quick conversation? Like, okay, let's try the zoo this morning because everyone's in a good mood or like and you just made game time decisions. Yeah, I'm trying to think back like when the last trip that we would have gone on probably would have been well, we went to Florida. Um, Wasn't really it was like one of those vacations that was to visit family. So kind of like both. Um, but I feel like it's a, it was a mix. Like it would, it would be, I would be the one who would be more likely to have like a selection of things that sounded fun. And he'd be the one who'd be more likely to be like, we're going to do this thing today. Okay. And so sometimes I can run into some inertia and then not actually do anything mm-hmm. or and not because I'm overwhelmed by it necessarily, but because I don't get around to it mm-hmm. because I'm having so much fun, like laying by the in pool the or yeah. just being in the moment. And so he it was kind of a nice balance because he was better about like probably more like you and having yeah. the details and um, having the things that he really, really wanted to get to and like knowing what day we had to do it for yeah. best. Like I was mad at myself because I when I took the big boys to Florida um, in January, I wanted to take them kayaking through the was it the mangroves, I think okay. what it's called. Um, and I didn't realize there's like low and high tide oh. and that, you know, that going like you, you have some advanced notice yeah, and you can't do it during low tide. Yeah. And I had, I didn't even know that was a thing. I yeah. hadn't looked into it. And so we didn't get to do that. So yeah. I think sometimes not having that detail brain means like I miss important information Yeah, that, that would have allowed me to do a thing. But you'll always be enjoying yourself in the moment, which I cannot exactly. always. Um, I'll always be enjoying myself, but maybe I won't do anything at all. I'll just bum <laughs> around, you know, the Airbnb all day or something. So. Oh, my gosh. As you were talking, and this will be my last story. I just remembered that I have definitely thrown one of those like marital silent tantrums before where I get, you know how like hard it is to get everybody out the door. It's always hard to get everybody out the door. Mm-hmm. But when you're on vacation, it feels harder. And when you have grandparents or other adult, other family units to coordinate with, it can just feel like you spend three hours in the morning deciding when, where to go and getting everyone out the door. And I have definitely like gone on silent strike where I don't tell Brian that that's what I'm doing. But I just and this is like so embarrassing. It's so immature. And I just wait to see <laughs> if we'll actually do anything. Like if I don't 
act like the cruise ship director? Yeah. Will anything actually anything happen? happen and the funny thing is, it doesn't really matter. If everyone's happy at home and we don't leave until noon and so therefore our, our beach day is shorter... No one is any worse for the wear, but it's like somehow yes. I want them to feel the pain. I want them to feel like. Except there's no pain. There's no so pain. It's just, like, it's just me throwing a tantrum. And I've done fires. that. I've done that more than once and I'm just owning it right now. I love that. I would be very much Brian in yeah. this circumstance. I'd be like, well, I mean, we're making breakfast. We're just kind of chilling. Like, what's going on? Oh, we're going to go to the beach and it's going to be a 45 minute beach trip. Right. But no but one is whatever. sad. And right. no one, no one like. My silent strike does not actually like register on anyone, which then can just make you feel extra bitter because you right. want them to feel the pain and no one feels the pain. And then you realize, oh, I'm not even. There was no pain. It's like not even I'm not a necessary <laughs> as I thought I was. I don't oh, know. Oh, so you are funny. necessary. Your presence is necessary. Well, thanks. But and maybe I'm, the planning maybe is I'm as darn necessary. good at getting a whole family out the door by like 9 a.m. if I have to be. So I know I have that skill set. Maybe I don't always need to use it. Yeah. And I would say for us, like, it's a pretty rare occasion that on any vacation we are out the door by nine, unless it's like we've just paid a hundred dollars for an amusement park ticket. Right. And by right. God, we're going to get like every <laughs> dime's worth out of it. If it's not something with those kinds of stakes, I don't even try. Yeah. Yeah. I just know I won't. Like, yeah. I just know something will be more interesting or I'll get distracted or they'll get distracted. And so, yeah, yeah. it doesn't really happen that way. It's so funny. Well, this has been really fun. Um, thanks, everybody, so much for listening. And as we said at the top of the show, this is a two-parter. So be sure to come back next week because we're going to dig into the details of actually planning the trip. So like booking the flights, the hotels, rental cars, and all that stuff. Also, just a reminder that we have two brand new Spotify playlists out for the month of March. So one of them is called Home Life and Time Management, which are really some of our most popular episodes. That's everything about like cleaning, organizing, decor, um, calendar planning, productivity, that whole, we have an entire playlist of that stuff. And those are some of our most popular episodes. And the other playlist I made is really for you all to send to your friends who are expecting a new baby or about to be a mom for the first time. So it's a lot of our um, pregnancy, adoption, postpartum, um, getting ready for baby and new mom content all in one playlist. So we thought that would be a fun one because there's there's no nicer way to help out a new mom than you know, giving her some reassuring content to read. Commiseration, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So go check out those playlists. And if you feel so inclined, you could share one with a friend who maybe doesn't even listen to podcasts yet, but they're on Spotify. So they can see that listening to our show is just as easy as queuing up a music playlist. Well, we'll be back with you on Sunday this coming weekend with a really fun More Than Mom episode. So we'll talk to you then. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I started a Substack last spring just kind of as an experiment and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com. 